today we're starting a new series that I'm so excited about. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right up front with you on what this series is. This month, I'm going to be challenging you to read the Bible. That's it. This month, I'm going to be challenging you to read the Bible. So the goal of this series is that we can get as many people as possible to engage the Bible in a life-changing way. Can you imagine what this church would look like if we could engage the Bible in a life-changing way in the next 30 days? Can you imagine what our church would look like? Can you imagine what your life would look like, what your family would look like if we could get, if we could engage God's living word in a life-changing way? Can you imagine what the city would look like if we could engage God's living word in a life-changing way over the next 30 days? That's what this series is about. This series is about how do we encounter God through his word. I want to read Jeremiah 15, 16. I don't have it on the screen for you. But just listen to it. Jeremiah writing, he says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord Almighty. When your words came, I ate them. And they were my heart's delight. It seems to me that the best-selling book of all times has fallen on hard times. I've looked up a few thoughts from it. I think it's suffering from neglect. 79% of Americans believe that they are knowledgeable about the Bible, but 50% can't name the first five books of the Bible. 50% of Americans don't know the difference between the teachings of the Bible, the Koran, and the Book of Mormon. Almost half believe all three books teach the same thing. I caught the title of an article that grabbed my eye's attention when I was researching this, uh, it's from the American Bible Society, and here's the title. Americans love the Bible, but don't read it much. The president of the American Bible Society said he sees the problem as analogous to uh, obesity in America. We have an awful lot of people who realize they're overweight, but they don't follow a diet. People realize the Bible has values that will help in their spiritual health, but they don't read it. So it's almost like there's a huge disconnect in this area between what we say and what we do. There's a, there's a disconnect. We all realize that we're supposed to say the Bible's good, the Bible's powerful, the Bible's important, you know, the Bible's God's Word, the Bible's whatever. But our neglect of the Bible, our neglect toward the Bible, tells a completely different story. It's a lot easier to say the Bible's important than it is to sit down and read it. And if I'm completely honest with you, it's so much easier for me to show up here on Sunday and encourage you to read it than it is for me to sit down and read it myself. That's true. I'd rather tell you to read it than read it myself. It's easier. Watch. Read it. See? That's it. See how easy that was? But to sit down and read it myself, now that's different. And we face a lot of temptations in reading the Bible. The pace of life pushes us away. When do we slow down and read? Sometimes we avoid it because it seems confusing or hard to understand. Sometimes we don't read the Bible because we assume going to a good church that teaches the Bible is enough. 
But here's what I want to share with you this morning. Kingwood Church is about your relationship with God. I can't do your relationship with God for you. I can't pray for you. I can't read the Bible for you. I can't do your relationship with God through you, for you. See, here's what you have to understand that happened. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die to remove every barrier between you and him. The thing that God wants most is to be close to you. And nobody can do that for you but you. I can't do it for you. So look, this series isn't about guilt. It's not about condemnation. It's not about you ought to, you should and by now and grow up and do this. It's not what it's about. That, that, that produces nothing. That produces legalism and in the long run it hurts us and it pushes us too hard and we get tired. That's not what this is about. This series is about encouragement and empowerment. I want to show you how you can find God through the Bible. I want to show you how God can change your life through the Bible. And I'm telling you, this is the kind of thing the enemy hates because it personally empowers you to live the Christian life. And he hates it. And he's frightened of it. And he's intimidated by it. He would love for you to live in this fear that I'm not smart enough and I don't have enough time and I can't read it and I don't know what it says. and I don't. He loves all of that. But God has an answer, and I just want to share with you this morning a few thoughts about, we're calling this series, His Story. In other words, the Bible is God's story. It's His story. And His story changes everything. So the backdrop of this series really has to do with this. Why, why should we read the Bible? I'm going to give you two thoughts, and I, I want to explain them a little bit, and then I want to give you a way that we can engage God's Word for life change in, in the next 30 days. The Bible, here's the first one, the Bible is God's plan to reveal Himself. All right, so you got God sitting off in one corner of the universe. He creates everything, and now God has a problem. What is God's problem? God's problem is how do I reveal myself to my creation? How do I let creation know that I'm here and who I am and I want a relationship with them? The Bible is God's attempt to give himself away. Now, you may say, well, God reveals himself a lot of ways. Yes, he does. Let's talk about some of the ways God reveals himself. He reveals himself through creation. Right? I can look outside, I see a tree, I get close to that tree, I see bark, I see leaves, I see the leaves are about to change color in a few weeks, I see them uh, regrow back in the spring, I see flowers. I can look at that tree and it is intricate and it is incredible and it is phenomenal and you can cut it open and you see rings and circles inside and I can tell this is a phenomenal work and it tells me that there is somebody who made it. There's somebody who designed it. It tells me something about God. But watch this. If I turn to Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and I read that, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season. I look out the window and I see a tree, but I open the Bible and it tells me about a tree. And I understand God much better when I understand that God wants to plant me like that tree. 
God wants to establish me. He wants to bless me. He wants me to flourish. He wants me to increase. He wants me to be fruitful like that tree. That tree tells me there's a God, but his word tells me a lot more about it. Maybe you're thinking God reveals himself through Jesus. Yes, God did reveal himself through Jesus. But Jesus only lived 33 years, and that was 2,000 years ago. How can God reveal himself to me through Jesus now? Through the Bible. Uh, Maybe we think God reveals himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God does reveal himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. But how do we know when this Holy Spirit is speaking? How do we know when the Holy Spirit is leading? The Bible tells us. How else would we know that? In fact, the question is, how do we know God reveals himself through creation? How do we know God reveals himself through the Holy Spirit? How do we know that God reveals himself through Jesus except that the Bible told us that he did? How would we know that? How would we know the life of Jesus? How would we know his miracles? How would we know his testimony? The Bible tells us. See, the main character in the Bible is not Adam, it's not Eve, it's not Joseph, it's not Abraham, it's not Moses, it's not Paul, it's not the disciples, and it's not the devil. The main character in this story is God. The Bible is the story of God. It is the book about him and his love for us and his desire to know him. Now, I want to look at uh, John 5, 39 through 40. Jesus had, uh, was having a conversation with some of the Pharisees who were the religious leaders, teachers of the law, and, and they were coming to a point of disagreement, and Jesus finally just lays it out for them in John 5, 39. He says to them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, that might seem like the exact wrong verse to read in a series that I'm trying to get you to read the Bible, right? Wait a minute, they read it and it messed them up. I'm going to avoid the Bible. I want to be good, right? That's not what the verse says. The verse, Jesus never condemns reading the scripture, He never condemns searching the Scripture. In other words, what he's saying to them is there is a way to read the Bible that helps and there's a way to read the Bible that does not help. And in fact, the way they were reading the Bible misled them and led them away from Jesus. They refused to come to him. So here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. The Bible is God's plan to reveal himself. What is the purpose of the scripture? The purpose of the scripture is to help us find God. And Jesus is saying, you're reading the scripture, but you're not finding me. I'm like right here. And you don't see me. You don't hear me. You don't know me. You're not listening to me. You're not following me. You're not understanding what I'm saying. So the way that you're reading the Bible, we'll talk about that in a minute. The way that you're reading the Bible is not helping Because you're reading it like legalists, like professionals, like lawmakers, like religious people. You're reading it wrong. And I just want to say to you this morning, if your reading of the Bible is not helping you find Jesus, you're reading it wrong. If your reading of the Bible is not leading you to a fresh encounter with God, you're reading it wrong. There's a way to read it that that fulfills its purpose. And there's a way to read it that does it. When I was about 16 years old and I was... uh, wrestling with being called, called to the ministry. I, we were at a uh, service one night, and uh, actually there were a lot of people around praying, 
And my, my uh, high school basketball coach, his wife was down at the area praying, and she came over to me and she said, I, I, man, I, I was standing over there praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you something. And she said, here's what he wanted me to tell you. And this, I was wrestling with a call to ministry, and I don't know who knew that and who didn't. But she said, here's what God wants you to know. Don't be afraid because I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fire, you'll not be burned. And I heard that, and I went, wow. I mean, it just it rocked me. So I'm processing all that, and I try to go write some of it down, try to remember it. And uh, I was not a person that read the Bible. So the next day, I go to lunch. And one of my friends is doing a devotion at lunch. <laughs> and my friend says, hey, man, God really put this verse heavy on me last night. And I just want to read it and share my devotion from it today. It's from Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Listen to it. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I heard that and I went, that's in the Bible? <laughs> I didn't know that. That lady last night told me that. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I had no idea that was somewhere in the Bible. And I don't know if she knew it or not. She wasn't reading it. But she said it to me and it sounded so much like, so much like what was said in Isaiah 43. And here's what happened to me. It was God revealing himself to me through his word. Confirming what I had heard confirming the gifts of the Spirit, giving enlightenment to my call to ministry, it was through His Word that I understood that He was talking to me and calling me and helping me. And in fact, as I look at that cornerstone verse that I have relied on and built so much of my calling to ministry on, I understand that the waters did get real high in my life. The town I was in took a 35-foot wave from Hurricane Katrina. And I've gone through some, I guess if you want to call trials, fire. But it didn't take me over, and it didn't consume me. And it was through His Word that I understood that it was God talking to me. So I didn't know nothing about the gifts of the Spirit, and I didn't read the Bible. And God was gracious enough to me to use both of them, and He put them together. But it was His Word that helped me. The Bible is God's plan to reveal himself to you. Here's the second thought. God reveals himself in a story. All right, so the whole Bible is one big giant story. It's the story of God. One of our greatest challenges in reading the Bible is, like I said with the Pharisees, that you, it's how we read it. It's how we read it. Sometimes we read it like a reference book. We, we refer to it when we need something. Sometimes we need to read it like a formula book. We're looking for the formula to gain something. Prosperity or knowledge or wisdom or healing or happiness. And in other words, we're looking for the seven keys to whatever. And the Bible's just never organized that way. The Bible's not a book of formulas. It doesn't give us seven keys to anything. It's not written like that. Sometimes we read it like a guidebook. I'm in a jam and I don't know what to do. The Bible's my decision-making book. 
It's almost like when you, um, when you have a sore throat or, or some kind of physical ailment. And I don't know if you've ever done, you've referenced something, so it'll be, you know what I'm talking about. You'll go on to maybe WebMD, and you go, all right, let me go on to WebMD, and let me find out what a sore throat, you know, what all could a sore throat be, right? Do I need to go to the doctor? Do I not? Do, you know, what, do I, what am I going to do about this? So I go on to WebMD, and I learn about sore throats, and I learn about what I should do. Now, look, I don't want to know everything there is to know about the human body. I don't want to know every potential sickness there is in the world. I don't want to know what all the cures are in the world. I'm not trying to get a degree in medicine. I'm not trying to become a medical doctor. I just want to know what to do about my sore throat, right? The problem is that's too often how we approach the Bible. We come to it with our agenda and we expect it to serve our agenda. But the Bible is not our story, it's God's story. And it will only serve his agenda. So when we try to make it serve our agenda, we misunderstand it and we misinterpret it and we're confused by it and we're discouraged by it and it becomes boring and it becomes totally confusing to us and we quit reading it. But it's not a book of magic spells and formulas to to make life the way we want it. It's not a book that reveals secrets of the universe that only we can know so we'll be smarter than everybody else. It's not a reference book to use when you're in a jam. It's not a science book filled with facts and information. It's not a doctrine book. We can extract truths from it and build elaborate and sophisticated doctoral statements. The Bible is God's story written by him. He's the main character, and the purpose that he wrote it is so that he would reveal himself to us, so that he could know us, so that we could know him. When we reduce the Bible to facts about God... We miss the story. Anytime facts are separated from the story, we lose intent, we lose clarity, we lose context, we lose truth. It's almost like if you've ever had a long email and you grab one sentence out of it and try to understand the whole email with that one sentence, it's never going to happen. How many times have you ever misread an email because you skimmed it too fast? Right? We're in an information age, so we're in the habit of skimming and moving. And as quick as we can, just give me the facts. The problem is, when you read the Bible that way, you're looking for the facts. God's looking for relationship. And you can't have relationship that way. So this is one of the reasons that Jesus told so many stories. We call them parables. So when Jesus wanted to describe God's love, he didn't give three principles that all start with the same letter about God's love. What, God, what Jesus did is he told stories. He told a story about a man who had two sons. He told a story about the Good Samaritan. He told a story uh, about things that were lost that he loved and wanted to redeem. He used images like pearls and seeds and nets and soil, and he used symbols like temple and the wine and bread. The Bible is presented to us as a story because God is personal and relational, and the Bible is God's attempt to show us what he's like. Uh, Imagine uh, a couple that goes on a date for the first time. He picks her up, they drive off in the car, maybe they've never met before, maybe they only briefly know one another. They get to the restaurant, they sit down, they talk. What do they do? Do they exchange resumes? No, could you imagine? Here, give me your resume. Email it to me, I'll just sit here and read it. No, what do they do? They tell stories about their life so that they get to know each other. 
Well, when we read the Bible like a book of facts or a book of spells or a book of uh, lists or a book of, we read it like a resume. Totally divorced and separated from the God who wrote it, who wants to know us. So we don't read the Bible like a math book or a dictionary or a history book. We don't read it like a newspaper, a to-do list, or a magazine article. How do you read the Bible? You read the Bible like the author is here in the room with you. Because he is. What's fascinating about the Bible is the God who wrote it is still alive. The God who wrote it's in the room. The God who wrote it's trying to open it to you. The God who's in the, who wrote it is sending the Holy Spirit, illuminating and lighting your mind and trying to get you into deeper connection with Him. We generally have trouble reading the Bible because we read with our eyes, not with our ears. We read books with our eyes. That's the way we've been trained to read. We've been trained to read critically. Subject, verb, adjective, Prepositional phrase, we've been taught to read critically, journalistically. Get to the bottom line, give me the facts, i got to move on, I don't have time. We're texting in, you know, incomplete thoughts, just words and initials. And, and that's how our mind moves, that's how fast it moves, and that's how we try to read. That's how we tend to read everything. We read with our eyes, not with our ears. But the Bible's not like any other book. We've got to read it with our ears. The Bible in Revelation says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. So when we get to the Scripture, we have to open up our ears and we have to say, all right, God, I know, I know this is your word. It's living and active, Hebrews says, sharper than any double-edged sword. It can separate things that I can't even see with a microscope. God, I know you're the one that wrote it, so help me. Help me to find you. So this morning what I wanted to do is just give you um, the story of God, right? The Bible is one complete story, and the main character is God, and I just wanted to give you an overview of the whole Bible. How many of you got four or five hours? I want to give you an overview of the whole Bible. I want to tell you the whole story of God. Here it is. Creation. Genesis 1-1 says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Chapter 2, the fall. Man went, humanity went into full rebellion against God. Chapter 3, redemption. Jesus sent his son to die and to redeem the entire world back into relationship with the Father. Here's the fourth and final chapter, restoration. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Does anybody remember where the story started? It started with God creating a heaven and an earth. And the story ends with God creating a new heaven and a new earth for the old things have passed away. That's the story of God. Now there's a lot of other details. But that's the story. When you connect your reading of the Bible to that story. So God gives us his story so we can find him. So we can find him how? So we can find him in our week, in our day, in our home, in our family, in our marriage, at our job, so we can find God. So inside your bulletin, I put this little, uh, if you have a bulletin, pull this little outline out. Also, I emailed this to you this week. Also, I uh, uh, put it on uh, kingwoodchurch.com. You can go to our website, Hit the history button. It'll open up a page, and it says, what is soap? 
And so I'm just going to give you a way that you can read the Bible in order to connect with God. You can read the Bible in a way that is life-changing. And, and so what I want to encourage you to do this month is join this Bible reading plan with us. We've got on the back, you can see, today's Isaiah 55. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come. And we're going to show you what a soap is like. Isaiah 55, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Read one chapter of the Bible every day. You can do this in 25 or 30 minutes. Read one chapter of the Bible every day. And uh, this is our soapbox. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny to me. It's our soapbox. You don't get it? I love it. I love it. It's our soapbox. It's a box. And it has soap on the front. So it's our soapbox. Anyway, I like it. So our soapbox for October is God's Word. We're going to get on that box, and we just can't get off of it. It's our soapbox. Anyway, so here's the reading plan. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is read the Bible with us. Why? So you'll be smarter? No. You'll find God more. And His Word will speak to you. It'll challenge you. And maybe you already have a devotional plan. I'm going to put my devotional plan aside for this month, and I'm going to do this one. And I want to encourage you to join us on the website. You can see I've got all this there again. What, what is a soap? Here's what it basically means. Read one chapter of the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit as you read that chapter to help you focus on one verse. God, as I read this chapter, speak to me. Help me to hear you. Let one verse jump out to me somehow. For me, it's been, as I've done, it's been very, very subtle. One verse just seems to be slightly louder in my mind than the other ones. So take that verse and write it on a, write it on a piece of paper. Then observation, that's the O. Then just write down what you observe. See, you're engaging the Bible now. Now you're writing it down. Just write down what you noticed. You don't have to read it to anybody. You don't tell anybody. Write down what you noticed. Why did that verse stick out to you? What does it say? Then A is application. Write down how you can apply it. How can I live this verse out in my life today? And then P is prayer. Just write out a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you for speaking to me today. Help me live this out in my life. There's a reason that you're speaking to me about this today. So Pastor Mark is here, and he's going to actually give us an example of a soap that he's done. Is it uh, Isaiah? Isaiah 55. So go ahead. I focused on verse 7. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, for he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. My observation, what is the verse saying? God desires to pardon, not to punish. Mercy is an Old Testament and a New Testament principle because God is a merciful God. He will always forgive. It's his number one goal, not his plan B. Application. My thoughts often trip me up. God offers me a way out. I must turn to the Lord. He will pardon me. Here was my prayer. 
Thank you, God, that you are so merciful that you freely pardon me. I have received your forgiveness, and I will give that forgiveness to all that I meet. worship team is going to close us with a song and as they sing it I just want you to listen to the words and, and just ask the Holy Spirit to as you listen to guide you to lead you to help you focus this is one of those moments we listen with our ears not with our eyes come on and lead us Finding myself at a loss for words and find
Our discipleship group on Wednesday night is going to be sharing uh, that way. Our staff prayer that we do weekly through the entire month of October, we're going to be engaging Scripture. Our fifth grade children's leadership team is going to be doing their scriptural study through soap the whole month of October. We're doing everything we can do. It's such a burden on my heart that we engage God's Word so that we might know Him, be changed by Him. I want to pray for you this morning. If you just bow your heads with me. Lord, today I thank you for the Word of God that was given to us as a gift. Lord, not to own it, to master it, but Lord, that we might know you through it. That you took such detailed care to reveal yourself to us. And so today, I pray this morning for the person who's given up because it seems too complicated and their life is struggling to find depth because they don't encounter you that way. And Lord, I I pray today that you would help that person to, to come into a greater understanding of your word, to come into a greater encounter of you, to start and try again. Lord, I, I pray this morning for the person who's dry and in a rut. God, I pray this month they'd find you in the word of Jesus. They'd find you in your words. There'd be a fresh expression of your spirit leading and guiding and illuminating. Lord, I pray for the person who's stuck in their walk with you and needs to grow. God, I pray that you would free them from that. They would come to a new, as they open up Isaiah 55 today, they would come into a fresh encounter with you. They'd hear your voice new again. Lord, I pray for the single mom who's giving all she has and this feels like just another thing to do, like another weight. God, I pray you'd lift the burden of it and let the encounter of God through your scripture give her life and strength and passion. Lord, I pray for the person who's recycling and shallowness who can't seem to find the motivation or the means to go deeper. God, I pray that you would lift that person's arms up today and you would let there come on them a faith and a hope that they can know you in your word. They can know you through the revelation of Jesus. God, I pray for the person who's discouraged and sick or broken. God, I pray today they would find nourishment in your word, illuminated by your spirit, revealed. God, help us. Lord, I pray for those who've lived in guilt and have strayed away because they say, I can't live up to what I should be. God, by your grace, we will all become what we should be. Not by guilt, not by punishment, not by negative emotion. But by the grace of God, we will become what we should be. So, Lord, we thank you for that power today. Go with us now. Let your word sink deep in our heart. And, Lord, help us to live aware of your presence. I pray for in the morning as we wake up, come to your word, that you would help us to see with our ears and receive and to live. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.